0: You're watching The Sports Objective, the podcast for Pirates. That stadium is going to be rocking, and heaven help whoever walks in there to play us.
1: Sustain, effort, and violence, you play your ass
0: off. You're watching The Pirate Preview on The Sports Objective. Join us every Tuesday night on YouTube Live as we're joined by beat writers and other media members. We take a look at what lies ahead for the Pirates. Now, here are the guys.
1: Here it is a first down. Pirates.
2: Welcome in to the Pirate Preview right here on the Sports Objective. I bring the guys in. Kyle from LaGrange. Barbara, how are you, sir?
1: Kyle is uh, not with us tonight, uh, at the moment. uh, How are you? I'm doing well, Dave, and uh, I know Kyle will be with us shortly. But um, very intrigued to see how the Pirates will respond after last week's disappointing senior day, the 42-3 loss to the Houston Cougars. Uh, We're playing someone who nearly beat Houston at Houston, and um, that is, of course, the Temple Owls.
2: No doubt about it. Uh, very excited to have our guest on uh, from Alice Daily, 24-7 Sports. That's Ryan Wallen. Ryan, welcome back in.
3: Thanks, guys, for having me. It's always a pleasure. Love love getting to talk some football, basketball. Anytime I can be on with you guys, I always a fun time.
2: And for Bubba's sake, we're going to throw in some pro wrestling, too, if you don't mind, towards the end before we always sign be off. But, uh, by the way, for all you guys, I want to mention in all our uh, fans, of Pirate Nation and those in Temple, is that Al Nation is that what you have are you guys is that what you call Yeah,
3: we'll them? go with that. We'll go
2: with that. Okay. All right. Uh but all, everybody, everybody want to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving. Uh we've got a lot to be thankful for. Um also want to send our prayers out to right up the road for me 2 hours away at that Walmart in Chesapeake all the families uh, lost their loved ones and the people shopping. I just can't imagine that. So not to start off the show a negative Nelly or Debbie Downer, but uh we're praying for those folks and Um, that's a whole other show as they say we're not going to talk about gun violence tonight but we are uh, I think we would uh, be a big mistake not to mention that and to think about all those families Uh, Ryan obviously a big game for both teams and uh, Temple uh, the one thing I've been telling fans is that don't follow the game as close as we all do you guys the second half of the season what in the world you guys have really turned around and you know we're happy for you because uh, you are always so good to us but uh, and it's also good for the league when Temple's better.
3: Yeah, you know, I, I think it was just early on in the season you saw those growing pains of having a true freshman quarterback at the helm, a first-year head coach, a new staff, a new system being implemented with the team. Um, I think you saw that earlier on. That's why things just weren't necessarily clicking. I mean, the schedule didn't do them any favors early on as far as uh, some of their early conference matchups. And this last month of the season, kind of we didn't expect to, to even be in, in some of these games that Temple has found themselves being in, you know, having to close with Cincinnati, Houston, ECU, that's, that's a rough stretch of games right there. And I, I didn't think that this was going to be even a, a chance that Temple would be maybe competitive with ECU heading into the final week of the season, but you know, maybe maybe this is the week that Temple can pull off that, that big surprise victory that that people don't expect them to, to get this season, and that could really just give them some momentum heading into next year.
1: Ryan, one of the major strides you've seen with Coach Drayton's ball club is, um, is offensively. And you have a very famous last name as your single caller with Warner. Uh, E.J. Warner, so um, tell us about the way the offense has progressed. Um, last week was tough against a very stout Cincinnati D, as always, a 23-3 loss, but um, the two weeks prior um, against South Florida, a 54-28 win and a 43-36 loss at Houston, and the, the Owls had uh, put up a combined 90 points.
3: Yeah, you know, E.J. has really – shown even from his first start that he had has what it takes to be possibly the next great Temple quarterback. You know, if, if he stays at Temple for more than a couple of years, uh, obviously with the transfer portal, anything can happen nowadays. But, you know, you presume that he's going to be the guy now because he's been handed the team and he is the guy, you know, that they, they went to him early on in the year. Uh, when things with DeJuan Mathis weren't working out and the, the offense looked stagnant and he immediately came in and showed a spark. You know, he he shows the mechanics like his father had, that he is a very accurate passer. He has very good composure and awareness in the pocket. Um, Obviously has thrown 11 interceptions, which you expect those types of mistakes as a, as a freshman trying to do a little too much. Maybe the game, he still hasn't adjusted fully to the to the speed of the game yet, but, you know, for a kid that was 18 at the start of the season and now is now 19 years old, I think he's doing everything that you would hope that a true freshman would, you know, he, he leads the nation in passing yards as a true freshman um, amongst those true freshman quarterbacks with more than 2,500 yards. Uh, So I think that's a good sign. He's already broken PJ Walker's single game passing record for a true freshman at temple. And he's broken his single season record for a true freshman at Temple. So when you start throwing yourself in there with a guy who's now in the league playing on Sundays for the Carolina Panthers, uh, I'm sure you guys have heard a lot about that this year with the, that whole debacle with the Panthers. But when you put your name in, in the hat with Walker, who is possibly Temple's greatest quarterback of all time, you know, that, that's that's early, that's good early signs.
1: So um, tell us about some of that skill talent that uh, E.J. Warner is throwing to.
3: Yeah, you know, right now, Temple's a little banged up at the wide receiver position. They've they've been most of the year. Uh, Jose Barbone's been the most consistent guy. As you can tell by the numbers, I'm sure that he has 59 receptions and nobody's even 22 catches close to him. Um, And he leads the team with 750 receiving yards. Has, has been plagued by drops at some, at some points this season, but, you know, he, he's been the guy that really has built that connection with Warner. Adonica Sanders has shown flashes at times of being a very solid player, being that deep threat, big target that, that Warner likes to air it up to occasionally, but he's been plagued by a knee injury over the last month or so has caused him to miss a game here and there. Um not really sure yet if he's, Going to play this week, I I would assume that he's probably going to try to give it a go since it is his his last college football game uh, coming up against ECU. So we'll see how that goes. Um, And then Ahmad Anderson Jr. has been another guy who kind of stepped up after losing his job uh, this past offseason and has kind of come in and shown that he has the potential to be a playmaker for Temple, even though, you know, he's had some problems with ball security. Um, But he's been solid. He's made some plays. Just wish he would have been a little faster and maybe Temple could have knocked off Navy last month uh, before that game would have went to overtime. Um, But other than that, you know, they they have two really solid tight ends and David Martin Robinson and Jordan Smith also who have both done a really solid job at just catching the ball, making plays over the middle when they need to, when, you know, Warner needs to check the ball down quick. And, and, you know, receivers can't get open because that has been an issue with Temple that some of these receivers can't get open sometimes and create separation. So I think Temple's trying to address that with their recruiting. But as of right now, you know, you got you got to play with the hand you're dealt. Right. And and I think Temple's done a, a decent job at doing that, especially like you mentioned over the course of the last couple games. Uh, putting up 36 points against Houston, I don't think was something a lot of people expected and having a chance to win that game in the final minute. Um, again 54 points against USF that was that was an impressive showing, albeit you know USF having a down year um, but it's still Division one football in the American nonetheless and that was an impressive showing.
2: No doubt about it Ryan a uh, sidebar really fast because you guys do a great job at Owls Daily 24-7, you cover Temple. How is recruiting going, uh, being you have a first-year head coach, obviously the bloodline, the life of the the program is recruiting. How are things going uh, there?
3: Yeah, you know, they they have 18 commits currently as it stands, and they've not lost any of their verbal commits as of right now, so that's always a good sign um, that, that this coaching staff has kept their verbal commits that they've had, and some of them going back. A pretty long time back towards early in the summer you know so that's good sign a lot of emphasis on the offensive side of the ball um, is what we've seen so far and I think that makes sense considering that last year when this staff came in they really focused heavily on the defensive side of the ball they focused a lot on the linebackers and D-line and I think you've seen them reap the benefits of that this year having the depth having the ability to rotate guys in and out in the front seven and, and they've They've really played well in that front seven this year on defense. <clears throat> Obviously, the struggles mostly this year have been on the offensive side of the ball. So they've made it a priority to go out and get some playmakers. They have two running backs currently committed. I believe five wide receivers committed and then four offensive linemen. So you can see the the emphasis there in itself is, you know, building around EJ Warner
4: ryan you know just wanted to talk to you a little bit you know when i saw this temple team last year it was really a very uncharacteristic temple team you know you guys had had been so good for for 10 years or so um going back to the matt rule days and last year i saw a program in disarray and and i'll be honest with you ryan early this season as i was going through our schedule You know, you kind of go through like we all do and you look at your schedule and you say, "Okay, this is going to be a win. This is going to be a loss, you know, so on and so forth. And I and I had this Temple game. I'll be very honest. I I saw it as a win. And but as this season has gone on, this Temple team has improved. Stan Drayton, you know, you have to be thrilled with the job he's doing. Right. I mean, he's 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 steadied the ship. And I feel like he really has this program going in the right direction. I mean, talk to me at least a little bit about, you know, Ryan, when when Stan Drayton was hired, what was your initial thought and how do you feel that he's doing as a head coach?
3: Yeah, I I think my initial thought was a lot like a lot of the Temple fans. They were a little concerned because Drayton had never been a head coach before, let alone even an off a coordinator. Um, you know, so there was that worry. There was that worry about, can he build a staff around him that's going to, you know, turn the ship around? And then is he going to be able to convince these kids that he's not going to let happen what happened last year? Is he going to build those relationships with them? Is he going to build that trust with them? And, you know, from what we saw of Drayton earlier on, he's been, you know, a very upfront, honest guy. He tells it like it is. He has said that, you know, he has preached that to his team that, Trust was number one. He had to build that trust with them, and he had some hard conversations with guys. He said tears were shed in his office. But, you know, at the end of the day, it was for the betterment of everybody. Those conversations needed to happen. And he heard the players out just as much as, you know, they needed to hear him out. So, you know, I I think that went a long way in in developing that relationship and and going towards this season, you know, building up that – competitiveness and, and these guys wanting to play for him and showing that they're not going to quit and they're going to play till the final snap, the final whistle and and play for him because they really do want to turn this program around. And I know you mentioned like last year, the team was in disarray and, and I saw that too. A lot of people saw it, that the team quit in games. There's been players that have come out and openly said they quit in games. They wouldn't say why, but, it's not good when you have players saying that they've quit in games, especially when it's a game that, you know, they're supposed to be in love with and, and they have aspirations of obviously playing on Sundays. So, you know, I, I think that says a lot for Drayton in itself. And then obviously the p- improved play throughout the course of the season ha- has been an upside as well. You know, like I mentioned, the Houston game a couple weeks back, you know, Temple, Temple takes the lead 36 35 on Houston with a minute and a half left. And then unfortunately, you know, the defense gets beat deep on a 44-yard touchdown pass and they end up losing that game. But, you know, the fact that you were competing with a team that was picked to finish in the top two of the American Conference this year and, you know, had them on the ropes and you almost won. That says a lot about, you know, what this team is potentially capable of moving forward.
2: You know, Ryan, uh, we don't even have to go. The Pirates don't even have to go back a year for players quitting as they did last week in senior day um so uh and you know it is what it is and that's my curiosity now is um that we have you on we're talking friends and we have a lot of friends watching and eventually listen uh the big concern uh, i think that some fans have for the pirates is we got to that sixth game early you know already bowl eligible what do you have to play for and the one thing i want to bring up is a fact for pirate nation we don't have a winning season yet so You know, you have two more chances to have a winning season. And like we talked about all the show, like Temple, you know, we were wondering, would it be a better improved Temple? Starting the year, you got a slow start. But now as a second half of the season, what you want is to see a team improving. So this is not an easy win for the Pirates. So you have to say, okay, um, they're going to have to play. In other words, they can't quit on plays this week in Temple. If they do that, uh, Temple, you guys will blow us out. So um I expect this team uh both teams to be a uh, fighting really hard because it's the last game of the season. I just find it really hard to believe as competitors that you would just give up and especially knowing this is the last game of the year for the regular season.
3: Yeah, I do too and and I definitely don't think Temple is going to quit and I I think they want to come out and make a statement especially after getting shut down by Cincinnati last week and you know feeling like they've been robbed of a couple games this year and not saying robbed because officiating bag calls or anything, but you know, they've had two wins slip through their grasps in the final seconds of games. You know, they, they lost an overtime to Navy um, and then they lost to Houston, like I already mentioned. And and really you could even say they have three wins because they, they, (coughs) excuse me, they had a chance to beat Rutgers earlier in the year. So (coughs) pardon me. So, yeah, you know, if those, if that script, excuse me, guys.
2: He's getting all choked up. You're talk, getting all choked up talking about <laughs> football.
3: <clears throat> getting over a little bit of a cold. But yeah, you know, if the script is flipped a little bit in those games, you know, Temple could be possibly sitting here with five wins and this game could be bowl eligible, but four-bowl eligibility, but, you know, it's not. They still can get the four wins, which I I think at the beginning of the season, if anybody was said four wins, that's really realistically what the expectation was. But I told you guys at the beginning of the season when I was last on that I believed that, you know, as long as they were competitive in the conference, that was what was going to matter most, and they have been. And that's what I like to see. And that's what I think a lot of the fans would like to see. So, you know, I, I don't think anybody penciled Temple in for being a top, top conference team this year, getting the bowl eligibility, anything like that. But, you know, I, I think they've reached their expectations, if not exceeded them a little bit in terms of the competitiveness aspect in year one.
1: Now, Ryan, Ryan, go ahead. Go ahead, Bubba.
4: You go ahead, Bubba.
1: Now, Ryan, uh, for for the Pirates, uh, Keaton Mitchell, second straight season with 1,000 yards and topped 1,100 last week with another 100-yard game against Houston. Tell us about the Owls' uh, run defense and what Coach Drayton has said um, to the media this week in his press conference remarks about Keaton Mitchell and uh, this East Carolina offense.
3: Yeah, you know, I think when you look at the ECU offense, you see it has dynamic playmakers. And that's that's very obvious to see when you look on paper. Obviously, you have a very experienced quarterback in Holt Mailers who has seemingly gotten better and better each year that he's played the game. You know, he's really reduced his, his interception numbers this year, still thrown for more than 3,000 yards, completing 67% of his passes. Like, that, that's very impressive numbers. Um, you mentioned Keaton Mitchell. Obviously, they saw what Keaton Mitchell could do to them last year. Um, obviously, he, he is a very talented back. Um, and Temple has been a little susceptible to giving up yards on the ground once again, even though they've seen improved play in the front seven. You know, sometimes you, they just can't get that stop that they need uh, in that regard. But you know, at least there's a chance that there'll be better. Uh, against the ecu pirates this year in that regard but then you still have the the challenge of having defend two really good receivers who could go over a thousand yards for the pirates and isaiah winstead and and cj johnson so and temple has very inexperienced corners in that regard you know they they have a red shirt freshman and Jalen mcmurray and and then Uh, A transfer in Dominic Hill, who's seen most of the reps at the position, but has also shown vulnerabilities of getting beat at times this year. So it it presents a big challenge to them. And Drayton knows that, you know, he's acknowledged that this is a team that has playmakers and they're going to have a big challenge in trying to defend that and keep them out of the end zone this this week. And I I worry personally about Keaton Mitchell because I've seen this year, you know, I believe didn't Eric Prince for Tulsa had a big week against Temple back when they played them. Navy necessarily didn't have the production that they normally do um, in that game, but, you know, they still found success running the ball as they usually do. Um, South Florida's Brian Batty had a really good game against Temple, even though South Florida got blown out. So, you know, there's been problems in that regard, especially late in games that Temple's defense just gets a little gassed, um, especially if the offense isn't, you know, helping them and they're playing complimentary football. So we'll have to see how that obviously plays out this week. But, you know, as I mentioned, improved play in that regard. Temple's currently, I believe, first in the conference in tackles for loss um, this year. So that that's a big change this year. And they've been able to get pressure on quarterbacks, which is something they could not even sniff last year. So I expect them to at least get a little bit to Ayler's and maybe force him to make some of those mistakes that we had seen in years past where he might turn the ball over because of some of the pressure that's going to be coming at him on Saturday.
1: And I saw an interesting stat earlier today. Uh, it was not all that surprising because I knew Keaton Mitchell had been right there near the top of the nation in yards per carry. But um, this is from pro football focus on the college side, uh, Keaton Mitchell. 25 rushes of 15 or more yards leading the FBS. So uh, that's something to certainly keep an eye on anytime time uh, Keaton Mitchell is, is getting the football. And uh, you know, it would be interesting to see how much he um, is
4: factored in in the passing game as well on Saturday. Yeah, guys, and just a quick point on that. I mean, hey, now that it's the last game of the season – You know, obviously, we are going to a bowl game, but you have several weeks to recover. So if I'm coaching this game, I'm trying to get the ball in Keaton Mitchell's hands as much as possible. Um, 20-plus carries, I want to throw it to him because, let's face it, at times he's carried this team this season. And, um, you know, I'm just going to ride that, you know, ride Keaton um, as far as I can in this game. Yeah, and also, uh,
2: even though Rajay Harris is out for the year, we have a great uh, true freshman, Ryan, and Marlon Gunn Jr. Uh, to watch out. Those two guys have made uh, a good – to be a true freshman, I think uh, Marlon Gunn is out outdone himself. I mean, he's, uh, there there was no expectations. I think that people told us how he was in practice, Brian, but you know how that goes when people – oh, this player, the, they overhype how somebody is in practice – until you get in the game, um, how is that going to translate? And I think he's done a nice job. And so I agree with you 1,000%, Matt. I think that uh, Keaton Mitchell, it's like if you're the other team, you when you see him with the ball, you, like, hold your breath because you know he's going to break one and you just pray to God he doesn't break it and take it to the house.
1: In, an aspect of this matchup that I'm uh, really keeping a close eye on, uh, I noticed the last couple games, obviously against Cincinnati, but even that game at Houston that you nearly won, Ryan, um, struggled to run the football, and I know you, perhaps Houston, uh, not having seen the game, didn't give the Owls much reason to run it uh, when E.J. Warner's throwing for close to 500 yards, and uh, maybe they were just taking what was there, but uh, tell us about that the ground attack for Temple um, because uh, it seems like may- potentially the Pirates could make the Owls one-dimensional and to get some pressure on the young quarterback.
3: Yeah, the Temple run game has been one dimensional all of the year, um, unfortunately, and and that's something that the fans have had a little bit of a gripe about with Drayton is the fact that you know he was a running backs coach and and the running game just has not found a way to get going other than that USF game, which Sadie ran for 265 yards. You know they haven't had a game where a person has gone for more than 100 yards I think the high for the rest of the season was 61 I believe in a game uh for a player so you know that that's that's not ideal and and it'd be great if you had three or four guys running for 60 yards a game but that's not been the case you know it's been one guy running for maybe 40 and then another guy for 10 and that was about it and and that reflects, you know, right now that Temple's, I think, 127th in the nation in rushing offense with just over 85 yards a game on the ground. So imagine taking that uh, outlier away against USF, what that would be. They might be dead last in the nation in rushing offense. So I, I think that's been a bit of a concern. Um, I, I get that they've been playing with a makeshift offensive line most of the year. Uh, I believe the number right now is they've started nine different offensive line combinations this season in 11 games. And not, no back-to-back games has had the same offensive line combination. So that's been a struggle in itself. And, and that's why, you know, I think people are like, well, how, how have they even been competitive in certain games given given some of the, the analytics of it? Um, but, you know, Sadie has taken – Full control of being the primary back at Temple. I, I think his playmaking ability has shown that, especially after that USF game. Um, he, he's able to catch the ball out of the backfield. You know, he's able to make plays. We've seen him hurdle a couple defenders this year, so he does have that in his arsenal too. He likes to pull that out every so often. But other than that, you know, you you brought in two transfer running backs this offseason season from Power Five schools, and Darvon Hubbard and. Jakari Norwood, and you were hoping that maybe one of those were going to be the, you know, take the reins. They were going to be the next star back at Temple. And, and Norwood left the program after a couple games, um, is now in the transfer portal, and and Hubbard's kind of settled in as being the backup now. So, you know, I, I don't think you've got what you wanted in that regard as far as recruiting those guys out of the portal. And uh, going back to what I said, I think that's why they really – focused on bringing in two freshmen who possibly could end up playing a decent amount next year, uh, behind Sadie.
0: Ryan, I, uh, I got, yeah, I had a phone call that knocked me off. So I've missed the first portion of the show. Um, so I don't know what's been discussed and what's not. So I'm just going to make a wide statement and if it's already been covered, just kind of touch on it and move on. But, uh, obviously Temple's record, Three wins, not what you would want, but you guys are way improved over last year. Would you consider, uh, no matter what happens Saturday, despite the record, year one a success? Because I, I think it is. I think you guys are clearly building and will be a good team again probably next year.
3: Yeah, I, I consider this year a success so far from what we've seen, and, and I touched on this a little bit ago that, you know, you've seen them be competitive in the conference, and, and I mentioned that on – the show that i was on on you on with you guys at, at the beginning of the season is that you know you wanted to see temple be competitive in the conference again and not being blown out in every game and like happened last year and they've done that you know that there's been games where it's not been good offensive showings hence memphis or uh, memphis and cincinnati are the two ones that stick out to me but other than that you know they've they've scored double digit points Against teams, they've scored multiple times against these teams in the conference. They had a, a Houston team that was picked second in the conference this year on the ropes and in the final minute and a half, and could have possibly won that game. They could have beat Navy, who obviously just beat us or UCF. Um, so you know they they've had their opportunities, and and I think you're just seeing that this being a young team. They have to just find the way to win now. They just have to put everything together and and get over that next step. And that's what you're going to see hopefully in year two.
0: Yeah, hopefully in year two, not this Saturday. <laughs> that was, was supposed to make you laugh, there, Ryan.
3: Well, I didn't hear. I, I'm
0: sorry, you cut out. What <laughs> I said? Hopefully in year two, not this Saturday. Ryan's got his game face
1: on. It's not time for jokes. <laughs> yeah, but. Game week mode.
2: It's game week mode.
1: Hey, Matt, Matt, or uh, anyone for that matter, does anyone have anything else before we shift over and talk about special teams?
4: Yeah, Ryan, just a quick question. As I ask you, I think probably every time you're on the show, uh, something I really would love to see for Temple is that on-campus stadium. Any more talk about that, or is that something we just shouldn't even think about right now?
3: Uh, My my editor conducted an interview with the athletic director at the beginning of the season as well. And as of right now, that hope and dream of an on-campus stadium has been put on the shelf and will not be discussed for a long time, is what we were told. You know, they said or the athletic director, Arthur Johnson, had said that, you know, they play at a premier venue. Uh, The Eagles have been kind to them even though I don't necessarily agree with that aspect of it. Um, But, you know, they they feel that the link is where they need to play. That's their best best scenario right now, and that's where they're going to play for the foreseeable future.
4: All right. Well, hey, I don't agree with them on that. Uh, I (laughs) want you guys to have an on-campus stadium. But, uh, hey, it is what it is, right? I yeah, and I I do
3: too. I want to see them paint the end zones and have the Temple logo at midfield, not the Eagles logo that's faded off from the last Sunday.
0: How how's the room for an on-campus stadium? You guys are kind of in downtown, right? So, what, uh,
3: is, is there room? When when the on-campus stadium really became a topic, when I was at Temple a couple of years back, um, they had a proposed location for it, um, which still is sitting. Fairly empty. It's where the old indoor facility was. And right now is just a little park per se, I guess you could call it, even though it's not really a park. It's got, you know, a couple pathways and benches um, and, and it's just a bunch of grass right now. So there is a location for it. Um, okay. Like I, like I'm sure I've mentioned in the past that I think more of the community backlash is what is, what has held that up. And the city has said that they don't want to build another stadium in the city limits. But, you know, the the hypocritical thing there is now that the Sixers are going to be getting in their own arena outside of Wells Fargo Center, and that's going to be right in downtown uh, in Center City. So apparently it's good enough for the Sixers, but not good enough for Temple. I
0: I would maybe try to take the approach with the city of Philadelphia. And I guess you could say you could do this with the link, but uh, it's a large stadium. You know, if you guys could build like a thirty thousand seat stadium I was with, with the idea of hosting a bowl game in Philadelphia, yeah, um, I, I, you know, maybe sell the city from that aspect, get behind a bowl. I think Philly would be a great destination for a bowl. Certainly better than Boston, Matt, um, and uh, not quite <laughs> as cold as Boston. Philly. And uh, you know, I'd, I'd I'd much rather visit Philadelphia than visit Boston.
2: I got the name of the bowl, the Freedom Bowl.
0: Oh, oh, that's one.
4: nice. It has a, it has a nice ring to it, you know.
2: You, 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 you could call it the me. Liberty
0: Bowl, but that I, <laughs> is, yeah. I know, that's that.
2: that's that's where I went Kyle, in my brain the very for that but outside of the Liberty.
3: Yeah, and like we can't the do Freedom the Independence Bowl. Bo- we can't do the Independence Bowl either. That's Remember a, you used
1: to have the Freedom Bowl back in the day in, in Birmingham. Uh, in uh it in Birmingham? Uh, yeah, yeah, the Freedom Bowl out in Southern California. Okay. Oh, okay. I'm thinking, what yes. ball am
0: I thinking of? That was in Birmingham that had a similar the, name, uh,
1: All American Bowl. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, makes sense. But that's what you're right. You're right, right. Southern no, Miss played, yeah. was it? Southern Miss played somebody in the All American Bowl one time.
0: Yeah, yes, they did. You're correct. It was in uh, when Farb was there. But uh, you you he, he, we good. we we could we could go with the uh the uh the the bowl, you know, something like that. <laughs> you know, Geno's or uh, what's the, What's the one everybody compares Geno's and who else? Pat's Uh, and
3: Geno's. uh,
0: Pat's and Geno's. Yeah, you could have the Pat's and Geno's cheesesteak ball. There you go.
2: Well, yeah, I tell you what, the uh, Kyle read my mind. Uh, We're on the same wavelength this Thanksgiving. We're getting along, but the thirty thousand seat stadium. You look at that. With a, I mean, Philly has great fans. I think the one problem I would say is that that I would tell the city is give all the colleges and universities love because you guys have great fans Mm in Philly. It's a great sports town. It's just lean way too much towards the pro teams. I'm not anti pro teams, but that's one thing I would say because you guys, you guys, uh, you guys in USF need a an on campus
0: stadium badly. Brian, what kind of stadium does Nova have?
3: What was that you cut out?
0: Kind, well, I keep cutting out the night.
3: What kind of stadium does Nova have? Villanova is, well, they're 17 miles outside the city. So. OK, they don't they don't they're not in city limits, Um, but they're they have a very small, you know, I think, couple thousand seat stadium out on. Yeah, I'm campus.
0: trying to be creative. I don't you know, I'm wondering if, it, if if Temple and Villanova could share a stadium. I don't I don't. You well,
3: know. and and there's there's been talk that Penn would be the better comparison because Penn yeah, okay. has their stadium is in the city and and Temple actually used to play there back in the day. Um at Franklin Field, and you know there's been mentioned that maybe that could happen, but I don't think that Temple wants to play on another college's campus um I've heard rumors that you know there was possible talk at one point of Temple sharing a stadium with the Philadelphia Union soccer team okay um that that went by the way again, the city did not want to invest in putting a stadium again in city limits. So the union are stuck down in Chester in Chester County and temple is stuck at the link.
0: You know, I like that idea right there. That's something it's I would still pursue um, is to share it with the MLS team because uh, uh, you're going to have a smaller stadium. You could get them in the city limits, which would help with, with attendance for the MLS team. That, that's something that if I was, if I was the, uh, the, 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 the MLS team in Philly and temple, I would be pushing for that together hard.
4: Yeah, and and guys, just so you, you know, you mentioned Franklin Stadium, right, Ryan? The home of Penn. Yeah, Franklin great movie, Field, yeah. great great scene of a great movie was shot in that stadium. Uh, if you guys know where I'm going with this, the movie Unbreakable with Bruce Willis, there was a scene. Correct me if I'm wrong here, Ryan. Right, where he's the security guard in Franklin Stadium. Yeah, I didn't realize that. Well. Wow.
3: And it, it, it is a it's a beautiful stadium, much like. The rest of Penn's campus, because you know that sixty thousand dollars tuition's got to pay for, pay for all that stuff. But you know, uh, beautiful brick facade on the outside, you know, and, and it's a pretty decent sized stadium. I, I don't, I don't know this exact number, but I imagine it definitely holds more than thirty thousand people. Um, and and Penn's, you know, a pretty solid team in their own right at, at the FCS level.
2: Yeah, Ryan, you can send your kid to a to Penn or a Bruce Springsteen concert, you, pick, you get to Well, Maybe maybe Taylor Swift would be more for the younger crowd, but uh, crazy stuff uh, for sure going on there.
0: Are we talking about Ticketmaster now?
2: Yeah, I was just saying, that Penn, he was talking about 60000 a year. I said, you have a choice of Taking your kid, kid, your kids to go to Penn or to go to a Taylor. Scalers,
0: right, their tickets are outrageous, man. The secondary market and scalpers have got to be stopped. Yeah. And then what I would advise people to do, if you really, the simple answer is stopping that, and then we'll get back on sports. Quit buying tickets off the secondary market, you assholes. Let them sit there <laughs> with those twenty thousand dollars worth of tickets they bought and eat them one time, and that crap will stop.
2: That's true. If they if they would ban it, they just need to ban it for like a month or two. And all these people that gathered up all the tickets, they'll have to sell them for like five bucks, ten bucks. I won't feel sorry for you. You can call me Grinch. You can oh, call man. me. No, when I
0: was, days. I'm trying to get tickets to see Tyler Childers. Tyler Childers. Do you even know who that is, Ryan? Tyler Childers. No, I do not exactly. But so he's an Appalachian country artist, and he uh, he's going to be in Raleigh. Sold out. The secondary tickets for Tyler Childers are going for four hundred, eight hundred dollars. I'm like, kiss oh my, my ass.
2: <laughs> oh my yeah. goodness but that that's just been a um a, a real sore subject for me and kyle especially because we go to a lot of concerts and, and uh music and a lot of uh, sporting events too man you can forget about getting any cheap tickets. Uh, it's there. gotten
0: ridiculous and it's, it's really being in the last six months that it has gotten so bad i, I don't understand it
2: I mean, it's bad when you have somebody like Taylor Swift that maybe say a ticket is 200 or $300. Like, it's really high to begin with. And, you know, so it's not, on our day's standards, are not bad. But $2,000, like, Springsteen has been notorious for keeping his prices low. And they're buying up, like Kyle and I were talking about last night, they're buying up, like, reasonable tickets. And all of a sudden, you know. They like, immediately
0: resell them. And Ticketmaster has allowed reselling through their own website and. My original idea—I I don't know why we're talking about this—but it's me and Dave. I was thinking uh, well, we'll a j- quick joke, but, uh, the, but my idea was to put a sixty-day moratorium on tickets being—you know—after they go on sale, have a sixty-day hold before you can resell. But then people would just sell them on geek and places like that. So I don't guess that would even work if Ticketmaster did that. But anyway, now back to football.
2: Yeah, let's talk about football. Uh, how are the? I assume obviously with the tickets for. Um, the Lincoln, uh, Lincoln pretty reasonable there. Like, was it five, $10 for the tickets? I mean, what can you get the tickets? people that are coming up there to see the game, Ryan, do you know a fan?
3: Yeah, they're pretty reasonable. I mean, I don't look at the tickets probably as much as I should, but you know, there's not, there's not going to be a big crowd there on Saturday. I'm sure because students are still going to be home for, for Thanksgiving break. And, you know, obviously people don't come out to see a team that's, Three and eight, even though, you know, they have been competitive and, and Temple's had that issue, you know, going back since, you know, they they were competitive in the American that their attendance just has slowly dwindled. And I believe they have four games this year of attendance under 15,000 announced attendance. And it's definitely been announced attendance has been under that or the actual attendance has been anna- under that uh, announced attendance. Um, but yeah, no, it's usually not too bad. You know, you can get decent seats for 15, 20 bucks, but then the ticket fees, of course, you know, to, to email them to you, (laughs) they add another 10 or 12 bucks on Yeah, That's where it kills you. So I'm sure you Uh, could still uh, find reasonable seats in the link for probably about 25 bucks.
4: uh, If I hop on a train, if I hop on a train from Connecticut and get down there, can you hook me up in a suite? (laughs) I don't know the right people for that. (laughs) Matt, you might be able to get a media pass. The are not very
2: Yeah. Invisalign has a suite there, I think. That's what I was. That's where Matt works, Invisalign. So well, hey, Matt, man, I, it's, gonna,
1: it's gonna be what 53 on Saturday. You don't you don't need a suite. You can be out. Hey, if you were able to go to that 2014 game, this'll, this will be a
0: But oh. Matt had to have a suite in Greenville when we played Memphis. I mean Matt's just big time. He 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 he, <laughs> he, he likes a suite, he likes to be because he likes to be pampered. Uh, you know, What's wrong with that?
1: that's true. He did go to a basketball game at the Smith Center in the in, in Chapel Hill. Exactly. Yeah, season one. Wow, wow. Uh, I feel oh, the. It's
2: getting. Speaking of the temperature, it's getting really cold right now. On see the show. what I have
4: to deal with here, Ryan. You see what I have yeah. to deal with? <laughs> I see. I see. That was man. that
0: was off the top rope right there, man. Yeah. Good Ryan, I got I got a question for you, and I might have asked you this last time you were on. I don't remember. But I think I know the answer with, before I even answer the question um, or ask the question. Um, with with the American, with the changing conference members, with Charlotte, UTSA, Rice, et cetera, coming in, has there been a bunch of push from the Temple fan base to go back to the ATN and take football independent? <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> wow.
3: Yeah, um well, so Dave and I were talking about this in the in the green room beforehand and Okay. You know, there there were there were people in temples administration and I won't name names, I won't give any indications as to who, but there were people higher up in the athletic department who were pushing for that to happen. Um because they felt obviously their the rivalries in the A10 for basketball were were outweighing the, the traveling and and they would bring more attention and relevance back to Temple, keeping the games more regional, um, which obviously is the benefit of the A-10 um, getting, getting those rivalries back, you know, playing teams like VCU, Richmond, St. Joe's, LaSalle. I mean, they play those two, two ladder teams every year anyway, but, you know, having that mean something a little more than just being a feel good, big five game, it, it's now a conference game. Um, so, so, yes, there were talks of that, but the athletic director and the president were not going to let that happen because, as I mentioned to Dave, you know, football is the, the driving force behind the, the TV contracts right now. And, you know, the Temple wasn't going to forfeit their, their standing in the American to let that happen. I'm
0: going to ask you this follow up. <laughs> um, if television money goes away right now, we're around seven million dollars per school. If the television money goes away, and I believe it will uh, sometime over the next five years, and let's say we go down to around $3 million per school, do you think that could change the opinion of the ADN president?
3: How much money did you say?
0: Around 2 to $3 million per school versus seven. But eight ten, as you said, is a million, right?
3: I think a they're about a million, maybe a little less right now. Um,
0: so you still would be taking a financial loss? You have yeah. to schedule independently in football. You know, you got some regional opponents you could do. UConn, Army, um, obviously. Uh, Buff. You know, they would be easy because they're independent. Syracuse, Boston College. Well, I'm just speaking UConn and Army about the Indies, so that would be easy. Right. But, uh, you know, Syracuse, Boston College, Buffalo. Um, it, you, you, oh, UMass also is another one that's independent that would be a regional yeah. opponent.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's all going to depend on what happens with the next stage of realignment. Um, I think if, if there ends up being another major shift, which I'm sure there will be over the next five years where the PAC 12 maybe dissipates, if the big 10 snags a couple more of their schools, or um, I think that you're going to see a big shift in where, and we've already seen that the American has gone to a more Southern-focused conference. And I see what they're doing as far as with them releasing the schedule for next year, you know, the next couple years with their matchup, the next four years with their Mm. matchups, that they're trying to keep Temple and Navy in that same pocket of being that Northeast draw, and that's why Temple and Navy are going to be that that rivalry where they play each other every year. Um, But I still don't see that as being enough because Navy even – tends to favor the South because of where they recruit Navy. A lot of Navy's roster comes from Texas and Florida yep. and, and, and Southern areas. So, you know, it, it's not enough to just have that. And again, like I've probably well, you said, can form
0: a robbery with Charlotte. Cause we sure as hell don't want to. <laughs> well,
3: I, I sure as hell don't want them either, <laughs> but I love um, this
2: guy. I love this guy. Yes. And Matt's nothing, only against,
3: one, nothing against UNC Charlotte, but
1: um,
2: Matt's the only one that wants that rivalry, is the Charlotte East Carolina one. He's the only one on the show. We, we're we hoping that we can get him therapy or something to get him to realize it's not a real rivalry. So, right <laughs> now, 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 Matt can't I, wait
1: to see uh, the, the Charlotte's new head coach, uh, Biff Pogey.
0: I, <laughs> I, I just hope Biff doesn't have the sports almanac. If he does, we're screwed. <laughs>
1: B- Bill, so if you Biff don't get that joke, um, I'm not going to explain it to you. Yeah,
3: yeah. You know, I saw
1: something earlier tonight. Um, you know, you know I'm sure you, you guys have probably seen uh, Coach Poji, you know, wearing the, the sleeveless cut off t shirts and shorts uh, on the God. sideline. So he says that he's going to continue to do that next season. So when <laughs> when, when, when Charlotte is playing at Dowdy-Ficklin, Kyle. Uh, you know, Coach poji will be on the sideline right there in front of you, wearing uh, khaki shorts or whatever shorts and a, a cut-off t-shirt with a slit down the middle.
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna take a sign that says Biff hates manure. <laughs> Again, if you don't get that, I'm not explaining it to you. Um, I uh, wow. I I think just just not for nothing. Now that we're picking on our good friends at Charlotte 49ers. I Maybe, you know, we may all be proved wrong and have to be eating Crow, but I think that was about the stupidest damn hire. I mean, you you got – it was between him and Skip Holtz. Skip Holtz, who was, has had success in East Carolina, has success at Louisiana Tech, yeah. just won the USFL, a guy who can build a program, experience – and knows the area for recruiting purposes. Yeah. But instead, you hire Biff. I heard I mean,
1: Skip may have turned it down. Well, well that, that it may not be accurate. Case, but I, if
0: that's the case, then I still wouldn't have hired Biff. I mean, maybe we'll be proven wrong, but what a goofy hire. And I'll ask this to Ryan also, and then we'll get back on to actually exactly more of the East Carolina Temple game, unless you already discussed it the first half of the show. But um, yeah. Ryan, uh, do uh, what did you think of the American not doing divisions? At first, I had no idea why they did that. Uh, for the life of me, I couldn't figure out why in the world they didn't do divisions. Then I figured it out. It's because they want to have, first versus second they want to have the two best teams playing for the conference championship not necessarily the division champions to try to secure a new year six and come 2024 a playoff spot um so that's why they're doing that but still i just think it would make so much more sense to the divisions
3: i do as well and i've always felt that that was i always liked the division model um but you know i i think we're starting to see a shift of where even in these super conferences, they're going to do away with divisions because they want to improve their chances of getting more bids in the eventual expanded college football playoff, like you mentioned. And I think that that's going to be very hard for the American now, obviously, with losing three very good teams. In, oh, well, know, I think when
0: they go to 12, I still think the Americans still – I think when you when you look at – I think East Carolina's rising, good, like, Temple's rising, Tulane, UTSA, Memphis, Memphis – UAB. I still think I, I, UAB. Yeah, I still think we'll have a good shot once they expand to twelve and one group of five gets in. I yeah,
3: mean,
0: I, yeah, it can't be Boise State every year, right? And yeah, I think. Uh,
3: the, go ahead.
2: I was going to say I'm hoping, and also another team that we really need to see than than one of the new ones, the Conference USA, would be FAU. If FAU somehow could could rise to the occasion, there, there's another one down there, but uh, it's really. It's really, really hard with, with everything going on right now to see, like, hopefully Temple and East Carolina, two uh, um, programs that don't get left out. Like, in other words, what happens if um, – there's a lot of what-ifs here, but what happens if uh, more poaching in the American and all of a sudden you have a handful of teams left?
0: I think if there's more poaching in the American, we're headed to the Sun Belt. You get to go regional.
3: Yeah, and Temple, I think that at that point, if it does happen, I think that's when they possibly go independent. Um, Because their only option right now is the ACC, and I don't think that's going to happen.
0: No, if you can get the ACC, I'd go ahead and do it.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah. But (laughs) I I just don't think that's going to happen unless, you know, maybe some ACC schools start getting poached as well. Yeah, yeah. That would be our dream too. Um, You know, obviously, if – of Miami or a Florida State or Clemson or any of those schools get poached, Duke, and UNC, one of those school get poached. The, I think then yeah. yeah, Temple has a Temple has a path to mm-hmm. the to the ACC, but I don't see that happening uh, anytime soon, at least. Would you oh. partner
2: up in Temple and East Carolina in the ACC? That works for there me. You yeah,
3: well, you know, fans tried I, to I, fans tried to push it a couple years back.
2: You know, we had the. uh, seriously not to get off topic here but we have uh with unc and duke in fact i was told a couple of years ago that the big 10 is trying really hard with to get unc but unc knows how big that rivalry is and so they're trying really hard especially basketball you know and they are trying really hard they said hey we're not coming unless you bring duke so if you have unc and duke go you know and you have uh to the big 10 and you have uh, miami florida state clemson a few teams you know, down south, go to the SEC, I mean, hey, you can lose four or five teams just like that in the ACC. What does the ACC do? I mean, they can say all day long about market size and the value of the team, but at some point, you got to say sustainability yeah. for the league.
0: If they lose five teams, um, if that were to happen, and we're speaking a lot of what-ifs here, I, I would thank East Carolina and Temple, South Florida, Memphis – uh, would all be attractive candidates at that point. I mean, if they wanted to survive as a league.
2: Yeah, you look at it because with USF and um, Temple, for example, huge television markets. You guys cannot be denied on that one. They can never say Temple is a small market when you guys, what, number four?
3: Yeah, uh, number four media market in the country.
2: Yeah, so kind of hard to say small media market when you're in the top five. And, um, and Tampa is big as well um, compared to other markets. But that's going to be, and it seems like it's a domino, doesn't it? Like every single summertime, it was like the NBA, like who where's LeBron going? And all of a sudden that's been scrapped now because you have to figure out where, you know, college football teams are going. What conference are they going to? And um, I agree with Kyle. I think the, the Pac-12, I think they, they're going to lose four more teams.
0: Yeah, probably. Ryan, to get back to the game, I don't know if this has yep. been discussed or not. Uh, how's the kicking game? East Carolina's kicking game has been a struggle all year. Uh, we've struggled with field goals, struggled with PATs. We've switched kickoff guys now. Uh, our punter is very inconsistent. That's um, uh, one, you know, one avenue where we have been very inconsistent. How, how was your special teams overall?
3: Um, you know, at the beginning of the year, the kicking game in itself, as far as place kicking, was not very good. Um, obviously, Temple wasn't scoring a whole lot at the beginning of the season, and some of those games, field goals would have mattered, and and Drayton was. Being a little more aggressive, I think, in, in that, that he knew that field goals weren't going to win games and he was passing up field goal opportunities. But when he did, you know, they had a returning kicker in Rory Bell, um, who missed his only two attempts on the year. And then he proceeded to get benched and lose his job to Miami transfer Camden Price, who has been very solid uh, since he took over. You know, he, he's missed one field goal and one extra point on the year. He's perfect from inside 40 yards. So that's always a good sign. He he has shown that he has a big leg. I mean, he had one field goal, I forget which game it was exactly, but he kicked it from beyond 40 and it would have probably been good from 60. That's how much leg he had on it. So he he has shown that he has earned that job. And, you know, a couple of weeks back he broke the broke the program record for most points in a game by a, a Temple kicker with 18, breaking Brandon McManus's record, um, previous school record. So obviously, again, breaking uh, a guy who's playing on Sunday's now record is a good sign for you that now you have a little bit of stability there. But, you know, Temple has just struggled to find kickers uh, in recent years. You know, they, they ha- seem to have one good year and then they kind of fall off. So I guess we'll have to see how that plays out um, with him moving forward next year because he will be returning to the team. Um, but other than that, the special teams, as far as the return game, has been abysmal. Um, that That's one aspect that you we were hoping to see improvement in, and they have not. Um, I think they're bottom 10 in the nation in both punt and kick return this year. Um, they've had some turnovers on special teams in that regard as far as muffed punts. Um, fumbles on kickoff returns. They had one last week against Cincinnati, uh, so that that hurt. Um, but their punt game has been pretty solid. You know, they brought in an a Australian punter, um, Mackenzie Morgan, who uh, special teams coordinator Adam Shire, you know, he, he tends to favor those ad, uh, Aussie, Aussie punters, as a lot of schools do now because they have big legs and they they just can get some different spin on the ball that American punters just don't seem to learn or they're not taught it. Um, but he's been solid this year. I I think he went through the first five or six games without having a punt even returned. Um, So that was a good sign. He was all net. Uh, But since then, you know, has kind of tapered off in the regard of at least, you know, teams have returned the ball on him, but he's still, that hasn't been the glaring issue that it had been in last year, especially that teams are just returning 20 yards every time and getting excellent field position. Um, So Mackenzie Morgan's done a good job in that regard. But Temple's really going to need to see improvement, especially in the return game uh, moving forward, if they're going to hopefully, again, turn the corner uh, moving forward.
0: You you look at the line on this game, it opened at 14. Uh, Last check, I think it's down to 10 and a half. So the money's going on Temple. Um, You know, it doesn't really surprise me. Coming off last week's performance, uh, you guys have been very competitive. It's senior day in Philadelphia. Uh, are you surprised to see the line moving in you guys' favor, or did you think it was too big? Uh, like I did when it opened,
3: yeah. I'm not surprised that the line has gone down. Um, it, it, like you mentioned, because of ECU showing last week, um, I did not watch that game. I, I do. Oh, well, you're lucky. I do not know what happened in that regard. As, as far as it I just was shocked when I saw the score, we uh, um,
0: we we played like complete morons. <laughs> Stop! We stopped playing. We stopped
2: trying on plays. And yeah, there was a lot of
0: uh, without giving too much inside info. There was there was some underlying issues going into that game that was not football related that uh, cost us that football game.
3: Yeah, I I was just shocked. When I saw the score, I, I was thinking, oh, wow, that's a team that Temple just took to the wire and they just handed ECU a, a a bad, bad loss, you know, a beat down loss. And, you know, the way Temple's been playing, I'm not surprised that the money line has gone in favor of them. But, you know, I, I don't I I think Tem- Temple's going to be competitive in this game. Um, I don't think it's going to be an easy game for ECU, but I, I don't I think ECU will probably cover that 10 point spread. I
0: hope you're right. I, I, I personally don't think we'll cover. I think we win, but I don't think we cover. I think it's going to be a touchdown or less game. But I hope you're right. I hope we cover the 10.
3: I, I could see this game being, you know, like a 34-21 type game. You know, I, I, I'm i in that area. Um, you know, I think Temple's going to give up some plays. Uh, we already talked about Keaton Mitchell and his ability and the receivers that they have, and obviously Holt Aylers being – being the veteran quarterback that he is, but I think Temple's going to give up plays. They've given up plays all year. Um, they've shown that they're going to do that, even even in their sometimes best defensive games. They give up plays, especially. Well, if you guys are studio. very
0: aggressive, right? You blitz a They are,
3: yeah. They yeah. Sam Drayton has not. He has shown that he is not afraid to, you know, pull out a pull out a fourth down, you know, go for it on your own side of the field early in the game, and even if you're down only one score. And he he trusts his defense, and he's he's lived by that all year. And uh, like I said, going back to that honesty and trust factor, I mean, he really trusts these players, and I think that says a lot for the players that they they see that their head coach trusts him and trusts them, and and he's willing to do that for them, so they're willing to play better for him.
2: Yeah. And Bubba, I know that uh, Johnny Robertson Jr. had a question.
1: Yeah, and Jr. chimed in on Facebook several minutes ago now, but uh, he was he was asking about Quincy Patterson. He said, "What happened to Quincy?" Uh, he was getting getting some snaps in the red zone, but I noticed he hasn't played in the last several games. And he said, "Great kid."
3: Yeah, you know he he was a guy that Temple was kind of running out there when Mathis was the quarterback in the, in the first couple games of the year. Um, more so to you know, compliment, I think, give teams a different look. But you know, the thing with Quincy had been that everything was very predictable with him. And yeah, you looked at he attempted 11 passes, but he also ran the ball 28 times. He's now he still sits as the team's third most carries, even though he hasn't played since like week five of the season. Um, so I, I think that you could tell that everything was so predictable. Um, do I think there were times that Temple probably should have played him? I, I think specifically in the Navy game, when Temple got down inside the inside the five yard line and had a chance to win it there by punching it into the end zone, yeah, probably so. You know, I mean, the guy's six foot five, two hundred and fifty pounds. I think you run him in a, a QB three runs up the gut three times. You would hope that he would get four yards on three carries, um, but that he just has not factored into the game plan. And I think that that was just the commitment that Temple has now to EJ Warner as being the guy. And they're going to hope that these running backs finally figured out and the offensive line is going to finally figure it out and get some consistency going. And I think that's what they're trying to really do instead of throwing off the rhythm of the game and putting Quincy out there and, and possibly, you know, losing five yards on a play because they, they call a predictable play.
1: Appreciate you chiming in as always, Johnny. And uh, before we shift over and very quickly talk some hoops, uh, because we know you were on hand uh, in Brooklyn at the Barclays Center last night, uh, watching the Owls, um, you know, earlier we were talking about Franklin field and for our viewers that aren't familiar with Franklin field, there you go. Uh, I know, I know the pirates and the Owls I believe played there multiple times uh, in the eighties at least. And uh, I know um that 1983 season East Carolina won a game it was kind of an odd score like 24 to 11 there uh at Franklin Field beautiful old stadium
0: Seems like a much better home for college football than than uh I love that. than, than playing yeah. at, at the link. That's but really football. nice. Yep.
1: The only thing I don't like about it is the, the track. track.
0: Otherwise it's awesome. Yeah, the track around the stadium gets on my damn nerves too. I can't stand <laughs> that. Though. Yeah. Uh, Craig was asking I think you already addressed this
2: um maybe not specifically numbers was but he's asking about the attendance for Temple games oh
3: yeah like I said I I think that every game this year has four the last four games have been announced under 15,000 and the actual crowd side has been far less than what the announced has been yep. I don't know mm-hmm. if that's been you know tickets sold or whatever you know their metric is on how they inflate those numbers because every team inflates numbers we know that every team does that nowadays in no. But, no way <laughs> but you know I, I think obviously they had a very good attended game against Rutgers early in the year because of the the proximity to Rutgers campus and and that being such a close game, as far as the, the old rivalry between those two schools. And, you know, that that's, I think what you hope for is having those types of games because you bring in a lot more people and, you know, that's why temple really likes to have Penn state on their schedule. Cause that that's a game where you're going to draw and fill the link, not just have, you know, 20,000 temple fans there. That's a game you're going to have the upper deck open and, you're probably going to draw 40 or draw like 50, 60,000 people. Um, You know, Temple's got Oklahoma coming in in a couple years. So I'll I'll be interested to see how that game uh, is attended Um, obviously with Oklahoma's brand and uh, eventually they will have Penn state again on the schedule, I think in 2026. So looking forward to those marquee matchups down the road, especially if Stan Drayton can keep writing the ship and, and, Moving the program in the direction that it seems to be headed so far, uh, that they could possibly have opportunities for some big wins in a couple years. Now, Ryan,
1: you mentioned that matchup with Oklahoma. Um, have you gotten the backstory on how that series came, or that game came together?
3: Yeah, that one I'm not too sure about how that one came about. I know for a, a bit there while uh, Jeff Collins was a head coach that him and Pat craft had really talked about trying to schedule ACC teams. And that's why you got the series with Georgia tech. That's why you got this series with Duke that they have. Now they have the Miami series. Um, they were really trying to get those ACC teams in there. And I think that was pushing for that, you know, hopeful eventual invitation that maybe if you can start knocking off some of these ACC schools, you can show that you're you're good enough to possibly be in their conference. Um, but I'm I, the Oklahoma one was a, a head scratcher to me. When I saw it, I was just like, okay. But, um, you know, obviously Oklahoma had been uh, until this year a team that consistently in the top 25, um, obviously a huge brand and uh, is going to be an SEC team by the time Temple plays them, uh, presumably uh in in two years so that that could be a big marquee t- chance for temple uh again like if if drayton continues this progress and ej warner is still the quarterback in year three and you know they build some play, build some uh a team around him with talent and oklahoma continues to just be mediocre i mean that that doesn't bode well maybe for the sooners yeah long know, I, say
0: mediocre long they'll fire somebody
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, the thing is, I might sound crazy saying that, but, you know, if you look at the analytics of it, Oklahoma's kind of on the downward trend right now. Are they going to be able to rebound that quickly, especially with moving to the SEC?
2: They had a really bad, and for me, I don't know about you guys, but they had a really, really bad hire, (laughs) in my opinion. I, I just don't like that hire. I know that he had ties to Oklahoma, but... um. And that's why that's why Oklahoma fans are really angry at Lincoln Riley because they knew what was coming.
0: I don't. I, mean, I think the higher. I think there was some logic behind it. I don't. I, I don't. Yeah, yeah. I, did, I didn't hate it, but uh, it so far. Um, and uh, who knows? Give him another year. I mean, they haven't been horrible. Just not up to Oklahoma standards. But uh, big change in philosophy going from what Lincoln Riley did to what he's doing there now. I mean, you're talking about two totally different philosophies, to see a coach. That's right.
2: And one of the things that the coaches make mistakes on is that they have, I know in a previous show, uh, I was telling you some talking about Jimbo Fisher, you know, a guy that's very stubborn. You got to go with the talent that you have and, you know, what works with that talent. Um, And I can run a system all day long and be the expert. I could be the guy that came up with a system. But if you don't have the players to match that system, um, then that that's a huge problem, and I, I think that's what Kyle hits a great makes a great point there. I think that Oklahoma um, is in shambles right now for their standards because you got a guy that instead of running what Lincoln did, you're doing that. You're running something else that is going to take a long time to to get your players in, and Oklahoma will not be patient to let a guy four or five years <laughs> do this. You know, I mean. That's big, big money football with Oklahoma, to say the least.
1: Hey Ryan, shifting over to talk about hoops from um, very quickly. Uh, as I mentioned, you were there last night uh, as Temple fell to to Richmond in the Vivid Seats Empire Classic at the Barclays Center, sixty one to forty nine. Opened the season with an overtime loss to Wagner, but then you bounce back to, with a huge win over. Number 16, Villanova, 68-64, also had a close call in an overtime loss to Vandy, and then you had a win over Big Ten for Rutgers.
3: Yeah, you know, I, I think the biggest thing right now with the Hoops team is they've just been really inconsistent um, scoring the ball. They've been really inconsistent on defense, and they've been very consistent at turning the ball over. And those things are not recipes for success. And you know, not to knock Wagner. Um, you know, they're they're one of the better teams in the NEC, but you know, that's a game that Temple on paper should have won by double digits. Um, that that's one that was an inexcusable loss in my opinion. You know, you have a fifteen point lead, I believe, with like eight minutes left and they end up losing that in overtime. That's just inexcusable. Um You know, maybe it was salvaged a little bit by the Villanova game because that was the first win against Nova in 10 years for Temple. And now the big five runs through North Broad Street as it stands right now. Um, But, you know, then to go out and give up 89 points to Vanderbilt, who had scored 48 points in their previous game in an absolute thrashing was was, again, inexcusable. I, I don't know. What happened as far as the momentum coming out of that Villanova game, if if things just were, you know, the players' heads got too big, if they thought that they were overlooking Vanderbilt, I'm not sure what happened there. But they bounced back, like you mentioned, with a win against Rutgers, even though that was a sloppy game in which Temple had 20 turnovers. You know, they, they still managed to win against the Scarlet Knights, a team that's been to the tournament the last couple years. I believe they're 34 in net rankings right now, so you know that that's another quad one win as it stands. So you presumably already have two quad one wins on the year, Um, but then to follow that up and and lose a heartbreaker to Saint John's at the first game of that Empire Classic on Monday night, which you know we we were talking about in the green room how how frustrating that game was. You know Temple commits 21 turnovers in that game, but still had a chance. They took the lead with by two with a minute and a half left. And then they give up an 8-0 run to close the game, um, including, you know, an and one layup uh, for, for the Red Storm to take the lead back. And then same exact play happens coming down the court the next time, and they give up another layup, and that pretty much sealed it at that point for, for St. John's to secure the victory. And then last night was just a brutal, brutal, brutal first half for Temple. You know, they again came out, had an early lead, I think they were up nine points, and then they they proceed to have a a stretch of eight minutes where they commit eleven turnovers, including eight straight turnovers on eight straight possessions. Um, that's just not what Temple basketball has ever been built on. And and as Aaron McKee said, you know that, that you're not going to win a lot of games when you're shooting yourself in the foot like that uh, on a nightly basis. And, and that's so far as what had been you know three the last three games, fifty-eight turnovers. That's, that's not going to win you a lot of games, and they just have to f- do some soul-searching now as far as what their offense is going to be. I mean, you have, you have guys that are capable of scoring. You have NBA draft prospect in Califf Battle who, who showed last night just how capable he is. You know, I think he made six of 11 threes, finished with 26 points, clearly looked like the best player out on the court, but you know, nobody else really helped him. You have Damian Dunn, who obviously a Kinston native, um, who at one point, through I think three games, was leading the nation in scoring with 29 points per game, including a 38 performance against Vanderbilt. Oh. Again, nobody really seemed to help him out in that game, but you know, offense. Yeah, crap. Damian, get the transfer portal. I'll put up with that crap. <laughs> well, there, there's possibility he might be in the portal at the end of the year. Um, not, not that I've heard anything in concrete, but. I've heard that he has pro aspirations, so right, he, might look here, to, he might look to maybe move on to a Power 5 school or, or somewhere else after this season because um, he will be having his degree in hand. Are you uh, aware yeah. of how many Division one players come out of Kingston, North Carolina? I, I believe we talked about it one other time, but it, it's a ridiculous amount. Yeah, we yes,
0: talked about the green room. They did a documentary on it on PBS uh, locally on UNC TV once. It's the amount of the amount of Division One players, let alone NBA players. I couldn't give you a number, but it's astounding. I live right outside of Kingston, and um, it, is, it is it is so. Do what? He used to play in the NBA, right? Yeah, absolutely. No, it's uh, it's so uh, it's so frustrating that we can never get any of these Kingston kids. You know, Jerry Stackhouse, the coach of Vanderbilt from Kenston, Um, obviously former Philadelphia 76er Um it's so frustrating that we can't ever get any of these kids. Kinston's about 30 miles from Greenville, uh, if you didn't know.
3: Yeah, and, you know, that's always been the thing, that, like, you got to keep your homegrown talent home, right? And that's that's usually how teams win, especially if you're not one of the blue-blood programs of the, the, the nation, like the Kentuckys, the UNCs, the Dukes, that you need to keep the talent home that's in your backyard. And, you know, Temple's been criticized for that as well. Uh, in recent years, that they can't keep these Philly kids home, and that's possible why they've kind of fallen off from being one of the the one of the blue bloods that you know a lot of people tend to remember them being during the Cheney days. That you know people forget that Temple still is the fifth winningest program in NCAA history, um, but you know they they've not had the same success that the UNCs, the Kansas's, the Dukes have had. Yeah, and that's one thing I think the American really needs. And I know you mentioned
0: before the show in the green room that a coach is in year four of a five year contract. He didn't get an extension after year three, which is always a telltale sign that you're on the hot seat. Uh, you, you leave a coach with four, year number four of a five year contract, you're hurting his ability to recruit. So you're probably, unless he does something remarkable, planning on firing him, um, in my opinion. Um, uh, Temple needs to be good for the American going forward, losing Cincinnati, Houston. Yep et cetera. Well, Temple needs to, along with Memphis and, and, and Wichita, um, you know, they, they need to all three be good in basketball. So this team can do this team. So this league can continue to be a multi bit league, which I think the league's, you know, been disappointing at times in the amount of teams that have gotten into the tournament. Um, I really, I, I you look at it and you think immediately, well, the amount of teams that the American's going to get in is going to go down. But I think it's been so disappointing with, with the amount of teams we've gotten in recent years that, If if Temple steps up, if Wichita gets back to where they were, if Memphis steps it back up, we could still end up being about a two or three bid league every year, like we have been, when we should have been being a four or five bid league.
3: I completely agree with you, and you know, you've you've seen, we've heard rumors, obviously, of the NCAA tournament expanding. So you know, who knows what those numbers are going to look like if that happens, and you know, possibly then you you are still a two three bid league even in the expanded. Um, It's obviously not going to be as high quality of basketball, um, but I I think that's like you said, Temple needs to step up. Memphis needs to step up. The teams that are staying in the league need to be the ones that step up to make the league continue to be good. And they're going to point to that and be like, okay, so it wasn't just Houston, Cincy and UCF carrying the league all those years. It, It was these other schools contributing to the competitiveness in the league. And I think you hit the nail on the head as far as that, there's been times that the Americans gotten snubbed in favor of the, you know, the the bigger leagues or the more premier basketball leagues. And I can guarantee you some of the American teams, if they would have gotten in the tournament, would have been competitive or more, more competitive than, you know, like the ninth best team out of the Big East getting yeah. in the tournament or the, the ninth best team out of the ACC getting in the tournament. Doesn't the whole ACC get in automatically? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, uh, Syracuse, though, like they can finish ninth and they'll make a run to the Sweet 16 <laughs> somehow. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I can't knock them for, for putting Syracuse in most years because of that simple fact. But, you know, Virginia Tech, if they're the ninth best team in the ACC, I don't think necessarily that they should get in the tournament.
2: No, and that that's the thing with the you're looking at least three, four bids that we should get every single year. And um no, well not every year, but I'm saying the we have Yeah, four.
0: I, I think there's a chance for the league, David, I don't mean to cut you off. I I still think, you know, you, you mentioned Temple, we mentioned Wichita, we mentioned Memphis. SMU's been good at times, Tulsa has a good program historically. Um and, and then UAB's coming in. A lot of people don't realize how good yes. UAB They're know, U, UAB good. was a basketball school for years and years and years before at Bartow Arena before they started uh before they started playing football. And um so I uh, you know UAB loves – they used to love their rivalry with Memphis. So now they get to play Memphis again. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. Um, UAB, I think, could really step it up. It, it, not so much in football and their football program's okay, but I think in basketball, going – getting to play Memphis again and, and getting to play Temple and Wichita, I think UAB could really become a good basketball program. And then not – they're not a bad basketball program now, but I mean, take it to the next level. Right. No,
2: no doubt before we let you go I uh, want to talk uh, some wrestling just get your thoughts are you <laughs> watching wrestling do you I know how much you love the aew like Kyle so
3: <laughs> no I was like- actually at extreme rules uh when it was in Philly uh, back you know when when that was uh, a, a thing back yeah what was that two months ago now Month yeah, and a half a while, yeah. yeah so I, I did get to see the return of Bray Wyatt which obviously was very exciting I love what they're doing with with Bray Wyatt right now in the WWE. I love the character because I still can't figure out what, what we're going to actually see I think he's he's going to feud
0: with himself. You think he's just going to be himself? I think he's going to feud with himself. You think he's going to feud with himself? Yeah. That's what it looks like to me. I I don't know where they're going with it. I I don't, I honestly don't know. I do love Bray Wyatt. Yeah. I love his lineage. You know, uh, son of Mike Rotunda, nephew of Barry Wyndham, grandson of Blackjack Mulligan. Um, it's, It's interesting that he, Forced his own path, does not rely on any of the lineage. You know, there's rumors they're going to bring in Bo Dallas, his, his real-life brother, oh, to yeah. play to play his brother uh, as, as the new Wyatt family, which I think would be cool if they do that, because they are actually brothers. Um, so, uh, no, the Bray Wyatt character is one that's very interesting. Love his promos. Um, you know, he's got that cool, you know, southern drawl. I, 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 my favorite version of Bray Wyatt was the original – cult leader from the swamps. So that was my favorite version.
3: I was really partial to the fiend. I just oh I, I didn't God. I didn't like the I didn't like the Firefly Funhouse stuff necessarily. It was good for a laugh every now and then but I, I liked the Fiend persona. I, I liked that, you know, because I, I saw a lot of correlation to The Undertaker who was my favorite growing up. But WWE just booked him horribly. It
0: was um, ridiculous. It was ridiculous in that ridiculous.
3: regard. You know that that whole the whole Alexa. Hell in Cell match with Seth Rollins yeah. that they just called off was was terrible, and then the whole Randy Orton feud there. Well, they burned and, him alive, basically. Yeah, burned him alive, and the whole the whole ro- result at WrestleMania there when the last match we saw the fiend was terrible result when Alexa turned on him. I was just confused by that whole whole issue, but you know that's that's why Vince is now sitting on the couch at home yeah. in addition to. Some other questionable, behave, questionable behaviors on his part. Yeah,
0: yeah I, the, I, love Alexa, I love Alexa Bliss. Uh, not so much in a wrestling ring. I'd love her somewhere else. Um, but I, uh, I'd like to pull a Vince McMahon on her. Um, I, uh, well. I, I, you know, but I did not like that character. Uh, I'm glad she's done with that. Uh, but you, you, you like the fiend. I love the cult leader from the Swamp. There was a little bit of. Um, there was a little bit of... Uh, have you ever seen the movie Cape Fear? Yeah. No. Uh, okay, go watch Cape Fear. Um, the, not not the version from the 60s, but the version that came out around 89, 90. Yeah. Um, with, uh, who played in that, uh, Matt, Dave? That's yes. Nick Nolte and Robert De Niro. Nick Nolte, De Niro. Robert De Niro. And one of my favorite actresses, a very young Juliette Lewis. Woo! Um, trashy hot Juliette Lewis. Um, go Go watch that movie. And think about the Bray Wyatt cult leader swamp guy character while you're watching that movie. While you're watching Nick Nolte, and I will uh, do that. and it's, it's, you'll you'll pick up the correlation.
3: I will do that. Yeah, I, I I mean I love what they're doing with him right now. Um, I, I love the, obviously the what the what they're doing with the bloodline because you know I don't see anybody on the roster that's going to beat Reigns. I mean, obviously the speculation is Cody Rhodes is going to be the guy that at least takes one of the titles not both of them i think because it seems like there's been there's been talk that they want to split the titles again cuz usa is tired of not having mm-hmm. a world title on their network um but i i like how what, do you do that how do you book i that? just love I... what roman's doing right now he's yeah. he's improved on the mic tremendously from you know his early days and Seth Rollins is obviously still a top guy in the company. I love what the Brawling Brutes are doing right now. Terrible name. I, I love what you know Imperium's doing. I love Gunther, uh, former Walter. I wish they would kept his name as Walter, but
0: Walter, Walter. You say it with a V in German.
3: Yeah, the um, uh, the Austrian. <laughs>
0: Good uh, right. I, uh, I, I I Gunther's great Gunther. Uh, I think uh, from NXT, I think it's time to bring up um, Steiner Kid, uh, Mm -hmm. um, Braun Breaker, Breaker. change his name to Braun Steiner and uh, put him on the main roster. You talk about somebody who could be a contender for Roman Reigns down the road. Mm -hmm. I think if you bring Braun in and and change his name to Braun Steiner, I think with his physicality, uh, maybe a year from now. I think him and Roman Reigns could have some good matches. Um, I wonder how you split the titles. You mentioned splitting the titles, and I wish they would do the same. But I don't know how you book that. Um, how do you book to split the titles? Uh, do do you do a three way match? You know, I, I I with I don't know how you book that. What in what way does Roman want to defend one of the titles but not the other? I think they have put themselves in a.
3: In I'm a club I'm situation. assuming they're gonna do something along the lines of maybe like. With the Royal Rumble winner that you can only challenge for one of the titles, not both of them, and Roman might have to play mm. two matches at Mania. Maybe that's how they're going to book it. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Um, that's what uh, I. That's what I could see happening, maybe. Um, but I'm not sure. You know, it's that's what I love about what they're doing right now because they missed an opportunity. They
0: could have done that with the Money in the Bank, where they split the titles. Where yeah. And they blew, well, yeah, that
3: was, that was atrocious. <laughs> yeah. Oh,
0: well, since when do you cash in the money the bank for the U.S.
3: title? Yeah. For the U.S. title on a night when it was an open challenge. That that was, that was confusing to me, but I, I like what Austin Theory's done since he lost that money in the bank. I, I think he's been putting in some great promos. He's putting in some great matches and that kid just looks the part now, you know, he, he, he does. He reminds you of a young John Cena. He does. And I, I,
0: and I love Bobby Lashley, but Bobby Lashley needs to be a heel. He cannot talk. He's not convincing right. as a talker. He needs to be back with MVP, with MVP as his mouthpiece. I wish Bobby could be a babyface because he is uh, such a physical specimen and a genuinely good guy, mm-hmm. he, but he just cannot
3: talk. Yeah, I agree. He, he messes up his promos, too. Far too often for being a guy that's been in the industry, what, 20-plus years now. Oh. Um, I, I agree. I thought that the whole Hurt Business dynamic was outstanding, how he was just, you know, come in, kick ass, leave, yeah. destroy things, beat the hell out of Brock Lesnar. Um, I, I just love that whole aspect. And I, I, I like how now that Brock has kind of become a guy that he's there to help push younger talent. Yeah, how about Brock
0: never a guy that could cut promos you know it was with Heyman and all of a sudden as a baby face (laughs) could cut promos in a weird goofy way
3: yeah and I I saw that initially when you know he won money in the bank and he was doing the party boy Brock character when he would come out and you know pretend the money in the bank briefcase was a stereo I, I thought that was hilarious and I was like wait Brock actually has a sense of humor other than being a badass and yeah. and we've seen that more now that it's like you know cowboy Brock and but he's yeah. still the badass that he always was.
0: That was interesting. I never would have expected that Brock would have been able to do. I'm friendly cowboy Brock, and it worked, and 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 somehow it does, and inexplicably it does. But uh, uh, you know we we talked about that, and we'll, we'll 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 finish up the wrestle talk here and quit boring people, but we. We touched on it in the green room. Uh, I know Ryan's a wrestling guy, so am I, and we were talking AEW beforehand and what they're doing and the, the, the complete cluster that that organization is. At least they did one thing right, putting the title on MJF. And uh, so I guess, at back I, I guess Dynamite's about to go off right now. I might have to go back and watch a little bit of that and see what uh MJF's first Dynamite as World Champion was like.
2: Yeah, that's been a there's so many good wrestlers that have come through there and then they have stick to just the wrestling and not the gimmicks. That's my thing with AEW. It's the like, gimmicks
0: are great. It, you just silly gimmicks are the problem. That's what I'm, that, that's what I'm
2: alluding to. Yeah. The, so it just, anyway, enough of that, Ryan, you're the best. I appreciate you very much. And, uh, definitely. we will have you back on obviously with the basketball season. It should be a, um, the weather should be good, especially for temple. <clears throat> Uh, standards with philly uh so we'll see how that works out and good luck to, uh, to you guys and um we'll what are have you doing me-
0: thanksgiving ryan before you go yep what what was that what are you doing for thanksgiving before we let you go
3: i uh, going over to my aunt's house with my family just gonna have a nice casual evening evening watching football Talk catching up with family uh First, first Thanksgiving without my grandmother, uh, who passed away back in April, kind of unexpectedly. So, oh, going to be a little, little, little sad at first, I think. But you know, it'll be good to see some, some family that we haven't seen in a little bit, and just catching up and unwinding from the last couple days. Like Bubba mentioned, uh, was in Brooklyn the last two days. Drove back today, and then I got to go back up to Philly on saturday for the game and then sunday they got basketball again so gonna be on the roll this weekend so gonna be uh this is this is gonna be my relaxing time tomorrow well sorry for the loss of your grandmother
0: and uh hope you enjoy your thanksgiving and uh and i'm sure she had a, a, a i'm sure there was a a dish she probably always made uh that that uh, somebody's gonna try to make and not make as good as grandma so go ahead and expect that <laughs> but i uh, hope you enjoy
3: your thanksgiving Thank you, you guys, as well. I appreciate it. Happy Happy Thanksgiving to you all.
2: And uh, one more thing. How can people uh, follow your work?
3: Of course, you can always follow me on Twitter at Ryan Wallen 247 which is my screen name. And you can follow us at OwlsDaily247 on Twitter or go to owlsdaily.com.
2: All right. Sounds good, brother. Appreciate you very much. Drive safe. Be safe out there. And we'll talk to you again very soon.
3: Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks Same time. to you,
2: brother. Have a good one. All right, it's good to have Ryan on.
0: Appreciate it. As, as a guy, that I'll say it before and I'll say it again, as a guy, that we deal with a lot of media people. Uh, for whatever reason, Ryan Wallen is my favorite of all the people from all the schools we have on. I have no idea why, but uh, uh, uh and if he hears this, I I don't care. I'm not embarrassed. Uh,
2: dude's great. Yeah, especially talking the wrestling. I mean, most people they might know some wrestlers from the past, but certainly not the current. Um, so that's really cool and being able to stay on with us a long time. So, uh, great stuff there guys. Do you have anything before we get out of here? We've gone a little long tonight, but certainly anytime you can talk pirate football, we're all about it.
0: I think we put Matt and Bob to sleep with the wrestling talk. They're back. (laughs) So so here's a
4: question, guys. Here's a question. What do you think? Politics at the dinner table on Thanksgiving, yes or no? Oh,
0: no. oh hell no. Well, it depends, man. It depends. If if everybody's on the same page and you know it, yes, sir go for it. uh But if there's this, if, if you know there's dissenting opinions, hell no. um it, that, I, I I actually it's, it's funny. It's funny you mentioned that. I'm gonna piggyback off that, uh, Matt, and then you go back to it. um We were in Hobby Lobby tonight. I don't know if you guys have those up there, Matt, but. Uh, we were in Hobby Lobby tonight in, in the in one of their many Christmas sections, and two employees were stocking shelves discussing politics. I told Jessica, if I was the manager of that store and I walked up on two employees discussing politics that openly in front of customers,
4: their asses would be written up on the spot. Well, especially, wasn't Hobby Lobby like some controversial... Wasn't yeah. there something with Hobby Lobby a few years ago?
0: Yeah. I don't know. Probably. They're, they're religious. They're closed on Sunday, and you ain't allowed to to have Christian opinions on anything. So probably. Yeah. Gotcha.
2: It was about, yeah. It was about birth control being covered, I believe, or. Oh, well,
0: no, I disagree with that. I, I think birth control should definitely be covered under their insurance.
2: Uh, it was something like that. But anyway, it was uh, something along those lines, but I would say Matt, I, I, so you have a choice here, guys. You're a, you're a NC state fan. You have family that's NC state Carolina, like I do to the whole nine yards, right. And, and Thanksgiving and uh, Christmas can be a little challenging. Um, I, I think in my family, we don't talk very much politics. There's always that wink of like, uh, when I see the NC state family, they'll, uh, you know, give me a hard time about that. Unfortunate one pulse, one point loss labor day weekend. um, I think that for my family on my dad's side, especially the sports rivalries are what gets us in not trouble, but there's a lot of bantering back and forth. It doesn't get anything. It doesn't get heated like you would think, like politics. But um, that's something that is uh,
4: that can be a little interesting.
0: Where do you stand, Matt? Politics on at the dinner table.
4: So, so here's my thing. I don't ever bring up politics at the dinner table ever. I, I pride myself on not bringing it up. But if you have that one family member that that brings it up, just to kind of, just to kind of push buttons. Then you have every right to fire back. That's my feeling. It. <laughs> Who is your yeah. family member, Matt? Uh, well, you know, I, I won't get into names. How about that? I, you know, there's, a, there's too much, there's, there's a lot of love there, but I won't get into names. But uh, I'll just say if 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 that one family member decides to push buttons a little bit, then you know what? All bets are off. Yeah, I, I kind of
0: try to stay away from it. If there's descending opinions, I'm with you. If one person starts it, you have the right to finish it. But uh, I, you know, I think primarily, primarily w- with my family, um, I used to be the outlier. I've I've kind of become more neutral, um, so uh, it can be talked about probably at my at, at my family Thanksgiving. Okay, uh, although I'd rather not. I'd rather talk football or or, or something else. Yeah, right. uh,
4: movies, some something non uh, confrontational. Yeah. Are you going to go see the new Avatar? I haven't seen the first Avatar.
2: I haven't either. Am I the only... Okay, you and I, Kyle, have... It I'm doesn't Kyle appeal alone. to
0: me. I don't know what the hell it is. I mean, what are these people blue for? I don't know. what This is going to be a huge record at the box office. <laughs> <in> the <morning. laughs>
4: what the hell are these people blue for? That was great. I'm not, I'm not uh, touching that one. But, um, well, uh, I'll tell you what, guys. Talking about movies, uh, my brother texted me tonight. Apparently, he's watching on HBO... I don't really know how it. I'm surprised it's not a theatrical release. But the new Christmas Christmas Story, yeah.
0: Yes, it irritated the piss out of me that it was HBO, uh, HBO Plus, it's HBO Plus or whatever they call their subscription service. HBO Max Max, um, exclusive. And I thought maybe it would be HBO Max plus theaters. But the surprising part about this, Matt, is it is getting good reviews. People are shocked at how good it is, particularly the average Joe. Cri- movie critics have been mixed on it, but the average Joe—it's got like a ninety percent approval rating on Google. Yeah,
4: well, I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear that because the first one's a classic, and you never want to follow up a classic with a,
0: you know, a bad sequel. Oh, but... they did. They made a bad sequel years ago. Um, there's already oh, been a yeah. story too. It's horrible.
4: Yeah, it was yeah, a great right.
0: DVD release. Uh, but this one with the original cast, Peter, Peter Billingsley returning, um, pretty much every the, the dude that played. Um, the dudes that played uh, Scott
4: Farkas, right?
0: Yeah, Ger- Grover Deal, who we had on the show, um, he's in it.
4: Yeah, yeah. like they, I, I'm sorry, Dave. I didn't mean, I was gonna say I was just hoping for a for a big theatrical release because I I want you know, to the theater. Too. I, I specifically remember seeing that movie in the theater when I was a kid. I want to say That's I was correct. about. I think it came out in 1983. That's so I was correct. about I was seven. 10. Yeah, I was yeah. ten. It came out, and, and I remember it. Vividly, and I was hoping Matt. Were you? Were you not? One. Were you not on the show
0: when we had a uh, Grover Deal on? I,
4: I was not on the show. I think I was traveling, Uh okay. but I remember that it was last year. Yeah, yeah, Um yeah. But I, I was just hoping for a, you know, a theatrical release. But what are you going to do, right?
0: Yeah, I think I think it was a bad. I mean, I,
4: I guess HBO thinks. You know,
0: here's what's going to happen because I'm going to do it. I'm going to subscribe to HBO max. I'm going to watch the movie. Then I'm going to immediately cancel my subscription so It doesn't renew the next month. So unless you're a complete idiot or, or you're, you know, it's not going to get new subscribers to HBO max. I'm not going to keep it. I got enough streaming services. I'm going to get it to watch the movie. Then I'm going to cancel my subscription. So I, I think it was a business strategy, but I don't think it's going to work for them.
2: I think that's part of it. And I think that they, um, they thought because of the two other sequels that were bad, really bad, um, they didn't give it a chance, and I think that was a big mistake because this story. Wait a minute,
0: are you including my summer story? There As was a bad two. Sequel?
2: No, I read an article. There was two sequels. One was straight to D- DVD. There, there was There's another the story one too. And there was
0: another one called My Summer Story that came out in the early nineties. Um, which I didn't think was a bad movie at all. It was a huge box office failure because none of the original cast was in it. But I didn't think that was a bad movie.
2: Johnny Roberts said, uh, that Grover show was a classic. Yeah. Like, uh, he's, uh, one of my Facebook friends. So I had him, Yano Anaya.
0: Yep. And he's in the, he's in the movie. Um, I checked the, uh, the, uh, the cast the other night to see if he, if they revived his character in the movie and they did, he's in it. So uh, I need to watch it. I'm going to watch it probably sometime between now and Sunday. Um, I'm going to subscribe to HBO Max just to watch it and, uh, I'm like you, Matt, though. I really wish it would have been in theaters. I would have gone to see it.
2: Yeah, I think that was. I think another thing, guys, is that Christmas Story is right up there with Home Alone. Um, you got a whole bunch uh-huh. of movies that are
0: classics. I think it's past Home Alone. I love Home Alone. I would put Christmas Story on the same level with. Um, Wonderful a, Life. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. Was... Story, yeah, th- those. They're like, I would say Home Alone would be a step down. I I like Home Alone a lot. I'm not putting on a a Christmas vacation would be another one. I would put on the same tier as a Christmas story and, uh,
2: and um, uh, 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 wonderful life. There's certain movies you watch and specials you watch every year. You never miss. And so that's those like that or Christmas story. I thought Alexander, he was like three or four years old and I put it on and I thought he would be bored by it. And he uh, literally was, like, glued and, like, you know, my... There's something
0: very captivating about that movie when you're a kid.
2: He loved it. And I was, like, got in major trouble with the the wife at the time, so... Why? Because he had... I was trying to get him to sleep. I thought he would be bored by it. Uh, he was big into fun. animation, you know, with the... Yeah, yeah. But he was just... He's like, Dad, wow, this movie is cool. And he sits up in his bed, and I was like, wow... I'm in
0: trouble. <laughs> you wanted to bore him. You should have put on like uh, uh, Home Alone Two. <laughs> Home Alone Two is horrible. Or yeah no, that. No, Let's go Home Alone Three. No,
2: the Home, Home Alone Three. I can deal yeah. with the second one. The third one. Oh my God. Well,
0: yeah, Home Alone Two. It, it, there's a couple parts in that movie that really annoy me. The one where he's talking in the little the the the, the clear in movie marketing where with the talkback toy where he talks into it. And it's yeah, I hate
4: that. Yeah, and the pigeon lady, the pigeon lady annoyed me. Get out of here. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. but I'll I'll tell you guys, since we're just talking about movies, you know I love to talk movies. Uh, one of my favorites that that is incredibly underrated, and for years, uh just no mention of it. You got I'm not sure if you've ever seen it. It's a movie with Nicolas Cage. It's called The Family Man. Oh yeah, yes. Yeah. Great, great movie. Yeah, uh, good very really good movie. What's very Nicholas, underrated. What's, very what's underrated. His real name?
2: What's that? What's Nicolas Cage's real name? His real last name?
4: Whew, that's a good question. I have no idea.
2: Dingleberry. And there was Coppola. His his uh, uncle is a very famous director, Francis. Francis Ford, Ford Coppola. Coppola. Okay. And he wanted to be uh, out on his own. Well, you
0: know, Nicolas Cage is a time traveler. Yes. That's yes. well known. There's actually a photo online. Uh, I'll show it to you of a guy from the 1800s that looks exactly like Nicolas Cage. It is. It, I mean, it's not even similarities. It's like it's Doppelganger So there's been a theory that he's a time traveler ever since.
4: <laughs> well, he, you know, he is the only guy that could make at least 300 movies and be completely bankrupt. <laughs> be completely bankrupt. <laughs> How is that possible? Have you ever
0: seen the Weatherman?
4: The Weatherman.
0: Yeah, not Wicker Man, but the Weatherman with with Nick Cage. That is a weird damn movie. Go watch the Weather. What about Wild World? at Heart? I've uh, never seen Wild at Heart, but if y'all haven't seen The Weather Man, if y'all want to see a weird Nicolas Cage movie that is good, but it is weird as crap. What about
2: Leaving Las Vegas? That was good. Yeah,
0: I still want to. I still uh, want to go with The Weather Man. You guys have got to see that.
2: Okay. And by the way, let's do a Thanksgiving movie that I love very much: Planes, Trains, and Automobiles.
0: I'll give you another Thanksgiving movie, and I cannot think of the name of it. If one of y'all can help me with this, I'll, it stars Ed O'Neill. Came out in the early nineties. He picked. Oh. His- with the little, with the kid. Yes, he picks him up. He picks up his, his wife, or excuse me, his girlfriend's son.
4: Yeah,
1: yeah.
4: Say again, Matt. Uh, yeah, I'm think. I'm trying to think of the name. I, I, it's not coming to me. But I know what you're talking about. Great movie uh, Base on
0: Thanksgiving. Up, Dutch. 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 Yes. yes. To uh,
2: save my life. That was a really. good... I forgot about that. Uh, great recall, Kyle. That was a. That was good. I'm a huge Ed O'Neill fan. I love Married with Children, so. Of course, I watched it because
0: I love that, that. Where do you guys stand on Miracle on 34th Street? I love the black and white version and the remake.
2: Good movie, good good movie. I really, I'm, I like old movies. So that's like and, and the I, black
0: and white version holds up, and I I love to me what makes that movie good is the ending. The the it's genius. How do you prove Santa's real? All the letters from the post office are brought to him at the uh, at the uh, at the courthouse. So an agency of the government recognizes this man as Santa Claus. So the judge has no other no other reasoning but to rule that he is Santa Claus. I mean, it was genius. I mean, that is freaking genius.
2: <laughs> yeah, great. A lot of great old movies that are holiday movies, so uh for sure.
0: Yeah, my, who found that? Matt oh, uh, that, Bubba. Bubba, did you find that? That has to be Bubba. That's that's, yes. that's Bubba. Yeah, there you go. See that look oh. you, you tell me right now, Nick Cage isn't a time traveler.
2: Wow. <laughs> that, wow, that is really scary. That's spooky, man. That's so close. Yep, wow. wow,
4: that is crazy.
2: All right, fellas, I uh, want to wish each and every one of you happy Thanksgiving. I'm thankful for all of you guys, and I'm thankful for our listeners, our viewers. Uh, thanks to everyone in pirate Nation and beyond. We have people that actually watch <laughs> us and listen to us that are not in our fan base, so thank you as well. <laughs> I'll be nice. I'll be nice. It's Thanksgiving. I'm going to get along with them also. So we'll do that. You get. Do you guys have anything about Thanksgiving before we get out of here?
0: I uh, just enjoy your time with your family and friends. If there's anything with what I've dealt with in the last few months, you never know when it can be your last one. Uh, so uh, enjoy uh, enjoy the time with your family and friends.
4: Eat, eat a lot. Um, Matt, have some damn pecan pie. Um, <laughs> God, I was just going to say eat apple pie, not pecan pie. <laughs> Actually,
0: neither one of them would be my favorite. If I, if I had to choose a favorite, I guess hard for me to say. Probably lemon
4: meringue. No, cherry some.
0: pie is Kyle's favorite, but that's I mean, I you mean. damn right. But uh, <laughs> I, uh, I think Matt would agree with that too. Um, but uh, no doubt, <laughs> I, uh, I I probably go with a lemon meringue or either a chocolate chess pie. Ooh, pecan,
1: pecan, pecan. What in the world? Like, here, <laughs> I, I'm just picking with Kyle because of the the pronunciation because I know that became a big topic in the past. Well it is pecan. It is pecan. It's pecan. It's pecan. It's pecan. It's Where are y'all not, from saying pecan?
2: It's not pee like you're peeing. It's not you're not peeing.
0: Well how do you say the word p P-E-A? what? P E A. How do you say that? Isn't it P-E-A-C-A-N? Is that not how you spell it? P E C A N, yeah. Yeah. Pecan 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 there you go thank you matt see matt north pe- carolina pe-
4: no, pecan no pecan pecan where does is what is the con where does the con come from Pecan. i don't know but how about the fact that bubba i thought he saw, fell asleep two hours ago and he came out of nowhere yeah. nowhere with that nick cage time traveler picture <laughs> and then and, and then and then a,
0: a, a robot saying pecan Pecan. Right. <laughs> it's a period on his shoulder. Uh, hey, if we got any viewers left, t- type in the screen. Uh, I don't know how you would do that. I don't know how the hell would you t- type. Type in how, butters, you, how you say it. it pecan or pecan. He says buttermilk pie. Buttermilk pie. Never had it. Familiar with it. Um, wouldn't mind trying it.
1: Yeah, it's pecan. It's pecan. But uh, <laughs> Something What I was referencing Dave that I wanted to chime in with. This is something that probably, or at least to some, went unnoticed last weekend. Um, due to oh, the...
0: Wait wait one second, Bob. I don't mean to cut you off, but I do want to settle this. There's one person amongst us who actually knows how to make the damn pie. Jessica, how do you say it? Pecan or pecan? Pecan. There you go. She makes it, so she wins. The Johnny says pecan.
2: Thank you, Johnny.
0: Uh, Jessica, unless Johnny can make it, shut the hell up. Uh, Jessica makes it. She says pecan. So there you go.
2: Do you say vehicle or it's vehicle? I say vehicle. Oh, it's vehicle.
0: A vehicle. The hick is in the vehicle. Vehicle. Well, maybe the hick is not the vehicle, but it's vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> it's a damn truck what it is. But vehicle. Uh, vehicle. Vehicle. That's a vehicle, yeah. Vehicle. How do you Look, say it, Matt? Do you say vehicle or vehicle? Well, that's a southern thing. Matt's going to say vehicle because it's that's a southern thing. I'm, I'm not ashamed to be from the south. Nor am I. Uh, vehicle. Oh, you've never had chicken mole, Dave. You're not even from Williamston. <laughs>
2: it's a bear grass.
4: Yeah, I know, I, I, I know all about it. But you've listen, never had it. Listen, just, just I'm looking forward to hosting all you Southerners on December 17th at Fenway. And I'm looking forward to having all you guys up here. There um, you go.
0: Who, who just said they agree with me and Jessica? Who listen, was that? That's the, yeah.
4: Well, Justin's a very smart man.
0: So He is smart, man. We just, and he uh, drives, and that that's my best drives vehicles.
2: Vehicles, that's right. See, there you go.
1: <laughs> hey, Matt. Matt, I, we'll I, have to go live walking into Fenway Park eating some pecan pie.
4: Ain't pecan
1: pie. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Sounds good, man. Yeah, yeah, good. And, right and, uh,
2: Matt, Matt, by the way, um, when we're up there, I have got to go to the Cheers Bar, as corny as that is. And I also want to ha- have those. Italian restaurants you're telling us about. I'm dying to eat. Well, I mean, well,
0: well we haven't got the invite to, to Fenway bowl just yet. So it's coming. I hope not. I hope we go to Myrtle beach, but, uh, much closer. I heard today, uh, I spoke with someone who's pretty high up in the pirate club that said that, uh, pirate club, uh, that there are people in the pirate club that are pushing for Myrtle beach. So I'll just say that much. You know,
2: Myrtle. I mean, the Myrtle Beach is good for us as far as gas tank. is good for you personally, obviously, which is great. I'm not like stumbling my nose, but man, Fenway, you get to play the first one. I love to see the. I would have. Here's what I'll say about both. What if
0: the ACC doesn't fill that spot? If it's a I know that's I was,
2: that You were. That's where I was going with it. If we have like a really bad matchup, then yeah, I wouldn't be high on that. There you go, Justin. We'll do it. We'll do it. Where everybody knows your name, Justin. We know your name. You're awesome. Yeah.
4: No doubt.
0: Justin, can I ride in the? Can, can I ride in the equipment truck? Or... <laughs> I, no, I will not be in Boston. No, said
2: Bubba wants to drive it. You missed that. You were on the phone call. Bubba wants to drive that um that rig. Bubba, you got your CDLs?
0: He does. Not that class. You got class well, B, not right. class A. That's okay, right. You got um, to get class A. Bubba, you can get your class A and just become a long haul driver. Just give up yeah. teaching. Just drive long haul. I'm sure. Park you in the bag. Bubba drives an
1: 18. We got the name for it already. Oh, that's right. But last weekend, the element of the game that I was uh, saying perhaps went unnoticed <laughs> considering the Pirates just got – just were able to kick off uh, twice uh, due to only scoring three points. And that's uh, Leith Marjan. And uh, <clears throat> Leith Marjan was kicking off. Well, then, Justin,
0: as I appreciate that, you don't want me driving anything. But go ahead, Bubba.
1: Uh, Late did a good job kicking off and uh, ha- had some good hang time and um, and took over those duties for Owen Daffer and it'll be interesting to see if he wins that competition once again this week.
0: Boy, you think Owen's going to transfer out of here uh, come December? I'd be willing to bet a hundred dollars on it.
4: Well, uh, I think I think a change of scenery might might just be what's best for him. You know, yeah, I I don't. Um, sometimes when you have this type of year and some, you know, some bad luck, obviously it's at his age, you know, it might just be a good thing. So, uh, you know, we shall see, but.
2: Um, he's I only know. a sophomore and coach and coach Houston really likes him. So I could lean the, not to be a waffler there, but I could lean on both. Yes, he will. And no, he won't because um, he's had a really tough year, but coaches is I think if he were going to transfer by now, we would have known. But maybe not. I mean, there you can still you still have plenty of time to transfer. Obviously, well, he,
0: well, he was still playing until last week.
2: Yeah, but it, but coach said that um, it's going to be a constant competition. So in other words, he's not he hasn't lost faith in Daffer. Like you know, like having a conversation with him in his office. Like, look, I think the world of you, but you're just not going to play anymore. Like that kind. Of, I don't think it's at that point yet. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, I'm not in his office and I'm not that close to the program to know, but just by the way he was talking about the press conference, it wasn't, um, I don't think he's lost 100% faith in him. He was just talking about every week, every position, which it should be as a competition. Yeah. So um, Bubba, what about you about um, Thanksgiving movie? um, We were talking Christmas movie. Uh, any food that you like to eat before we get
1: out yeah, of here?
0: I, I know Bubba's favorite. I know Bubba's favorite Thanksgiving food. I can go ahead and answer it for him. Uh, sweet potato casserole with pecans. There you go. Huh? So you admit it's pecans? Very good, sir. <laughs> yeah. I knew that was. Hey, we're kind of like a
2: house divided. The top... sweet potato
1: casserole with um, the crusty pecan topping. Hey,
2: Bubba, have you noticed that it's funny? The top half say pecans, and the bottom half say pecans. It's just funny bottom half of the screen if you're listening
0: we're listening
2: and we're yeah. <laughs> it's all good it's a it's healthy debate i think it's fun uh any of you guys, guys
4: ever had a turducken a what wasn't a that a john madden thing back in the day the turducken
0: it's a real thing it's a uh it's a turkey stuffed with a duck stuffed with a chicken and uh you you cook it all together and uh it's layered and seasoned it's a cajun thing
4: Wow, it sounds pretty damn good. I've never had it, but
0: yeah, I've never had it either. But I'd, I'd like to. Uh, duck is very flavorful, so I would imagine it would give incredible flavor to the uh, to the turkey. Hmm. I learned something
2: tonight. I, I did not know that.
4: Yep.
0: All right, fellas. Hope you guys. I want to wish
2: you guys. Uh, I'm thankful and appreciate you guys. Hope you have a great Thanksgiving. Please be safe. Uh, Matt, I hope that you go to the um, game on Saturday. Bring home a victory. I want to try to go up on Saturday night to Norfolk. Maybe I can get a Victor, you say so if you go to temple i'll go to odu and we'll get two wins out of it hope so buddy hope
4: so sounds good
2: and i'm working on i've been uh, on the phone texting i'm trying to get you a suite there at Field, lincoln financial but nobody's returning my calls so for text so i don't know you might be <laughs> on your own i don't know all right we're gonna get out of here thank you so much in fact uh, we've got great programming don't forget coming up on uh Sunday we'll have the what in the world <laughs> my dog wants to play all of a sudden oh okay the toy I didn't know what in the world it was appreciate you justin very much don't forget on Sunday night we'll have uh, the uh, pirate football playback it's right here on the sports objective and we appreciate uh, LNK custom homes Kevin Walker appreciate him his support of the program. And uh, Bubba, a lot of great programming through the week, but that'll be our next program. We're taking tomorrow night off, uh, so there will be no inside slant for obvious reasons. It's Thanksgiving, and we don't want our families to kill us, so uh, we're taking tomorrow night off. But enjoy your Thanksgiving. Wish you go guys all the best. Until next time, I'm Dave Richmond, and as always, go Pirates.
1: Get your hands up, let our team know that we got they back. This is our house, this is our town, our top, everyone, I copy that.
2: Everybody gonna see us go those speed loud, but we don't hold back. Every foot, every guard, every
3: first down, every touchdown with a candy.